From the Aleuts at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk that. It's the 49ers cutback. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Be glad you didn't see what happened before recording started. You would probably be blind or at least injured like the 49ers season has been all season. Thanks to this guy right here. It was bothersome. (laughs) Bothersome is an understatement of epic proportions, but that's okay because we're past that now and no one else will ever have to lay eyes on what we just had to witness. Yeah, it wasn't pleasant. Unless you subscribe to my OnlyFans. (laughs) Wait, you have one of those? You're going to go subscribe, aren't you? The negative is, he has to pay you. (laughs) (laughs) But guys, in all seriousness, we have some great news. We do. What happened this week? Finally, the 49ers will not be denied. The claim for Tack McKinley has finally went through. The Bengals screwed up. They thought his groin wasn't good enough, but the 49ers will definitely clear him because everyone's hurt on our team. Let's just add another one. But actually, I do enjoy Tack McKinley's game. He's going to be a great addition to the 49ers. Horse, tell us exactly what Tack McKinley um, adds to the team, and if you don't do a good job, I will make sure to do it better than you. All right. So Tack McKinley is a uh, Bay Area guy. He's out of Richmond. Went to UCLA. He was a first-round pick. Rich what? Richmond. <laughs> he w- he was a first-round pick out of UCLA a few years back. He ran a four-five-nine coming out of college with a thirty-three-inch vert. So he's an explosive guy. He's quick for his size. He um he's only still only twenty-five years old. He had six sacks his rookie year, seven and a half his second year. Last year he was slowed down. He only had three and a half. And this year he's been having issues with Falcons coaches and management and hasn't he's only played like 55 snaps. But he does have a sack. I do believe it's a little over 80 snaps. Oh, maybe it's 55 pass rush snaps. Bingo. Okay. So what we have here is a guy that's still a little raw, further along than Jordan Willis when they picked him. Definitely. Better athlete. They're Definitely. only having to spend $600,000 on him to see if he's worth it through the end of the season. That's nice. He's a very, very much boomer bust prospect. But if he give, if he gives us what we need off the edge, it could be a game changer. If you watch his highlights, I know some guys have been saying he can't bend the corner and all that. That was going to be my question. How does he look off the edge speed-wise? He looks quick. He looks explosive. He looks like he gives um, tackles issues with his speed to me. I, I just got to point out, Horst doesn't just play the role of Schefter on this. He also plays the war, uh, the role of Jaworski. He's Horst Jaworski <laughs> over here as well. He's even got the glasses and everything. I'm just waiting I, for him to talk about I, the I watched the 96 hours. hours of film this morning. <laughs> now I truly believe Tack McKinley could be one of the greatest of all time. It's, it's huge. It's a great, it, it's a great importance to this team because the truth of the matter is, guys, we're in desperate need of some edge rushing. We're in huge need, and we also don't have a lot of money to spend on an edge rusher. If Tack McKinley works out and can be the guy that we've seen the high end, the seven and a half sacks he had as his sophomore campaign, if he can return to form in that and he fits within the scheme in, the, in this wide nine system, 
This opens up a lot of possibilities for the 49ers in the offseason to, to free up some cap space by getting rid of what a lot of 49ers fans are calling dead weight in D Ford's contract. Um, and just on the pass rushing edge, just giving us some relief and a guy that can play four downs and maybe put you in a position where you can get someone like Eric Armstead inside, although he has he does have his strengths playing on the edge as well, even if McKinley's just a pass rush down guy going forward, kind of like how D Ford was for us, uh, does give us gives us some options if he ends up working out. And realistically, do you think it's more likely that he works out and can be and fill a role like that? Or do you think likely he's more of a, an overall four down kind of guy that isn't just a pass rush down guy. He's definitely a guy that can play um, every down. He's uh, very physical. He has great hand placement. He knows how to you know play the run, play the pass. He can play also against running quarterbacks, which is very important. Um, seen him play against Cam Newton, some of the teams in the South, and he was able to play against those guys and put pressure on them. The good thing about him is he's going to completely change the 49ers uh, rotation of defenders especially uh, rushing the passer, like you mentioned, moving Armstead in on um, third downs where it's obvious pass downs and getting uh, Tack McKinley rushing from the outside. Now with him and Jordan Willis, Armstead, and um, Kerry Hyder, now you can you don't have to have Kinlaw on the field for all the pass downs, even though it's good to have him because he's been doing well. Now you have some real pass rushers. We've talked about the invisibleness of Dion Jordan and now we don't have to worry about that because we have Tack McKinley. But overall, you just get that depth. And the more these guys can rotate and play, and you can get uh, production from all these guys, then the 49ers can be more successful, uh, fresher, healthier defensive line, which will also keep them healthy throughout the last part of the season. Plus, I think the big thing with Tack, he's going to be a free agent. So he's going to want to make some money. So over these next six games, he's going to be very motivated to make big plays and see what he can go prove. Because I think he wants to prove to the Falcons and the rest of the NFL that he's a big time talent. He says, I only had 17 sacks, I'm not that good. He's being sarcastic. He's a good he's a good player, and I think he's gonna have a great end of the season. Dion Jordan has been doing a fantastic John Cena impression. He has. For most of the season. Yeah, it's it'll be nice to not see him on the field as much. I don't mind Dion Jordan if he's a full rotational piece. But the amount of snaps yeah, he's that he's been getting, it's, just, it's it's too much for the production that we've gotten out of him. Correct, and, and his skill set is not that of an every-down pass rusher. That's not he's, He can't do that. Or even just an, a guy that sets the edge. He's been a, done a really terrible job of setting the edge on run plays to his side of the field as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it hasn't been very good, but that's okay, guys. That's okay that Deion Jordan hasn't been very good because now not only do we have Tack, we may have the rest of the 49ers assembling. Yes. Finally, some guys coming off of IR, providing the depth that this team needs. So yesterday, Kyle Shannon talked about this and said there's a possibility that we get Raheem Mostert, for sure, Richard Sherman, and potentially Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel and even Tevin Coleman. And Tevin Coleman. And don't forget about Demetrius Flanagan Foles. Bingo. That's that's a big one. Core special teams player, sir. He is yeah. a core special teams player. Ant? Third yeah. of the game. What are you, what are you feeling about these these players coming back? Is there any realistic possibility that they're back after the bye week? Or is this just Shanahan trying to drum up some confidence with this, this group? No, I definitely think they're going to be back because this is kind of the end of Richard Sherman's practice window. He will be back. Um, also, I think that Moser will be back. It's been plenty of time for him to heal up. Um, so these guys are going to be very important. And Debo, I think he could have played if they'd had a game this week. Um, so I think it's the extra week is going to be great. 
The offense is going to change so much with Raheem Mostert at running back and Debo Samuel out there catching balls. They're going to completely stretch the defense horizontally, both with the outside uh, zone running game and with Debo Samuel catching the ball, um, playing in the backfield, the versatility that he's going to bring, the change that the offense is going to have is going to be remarkable. People are not going to recognize the offense from what they've saw the last two weeks. It's going to be fantastic. The The Rams got unfortunately got to see this when they played him before. Now they're going to see him again. And this time the Rams have to deal with Jordan Reed as well, which is going to be big. So I'm curious what the mad scientist cooks up for the next two weeks of practice. And let's see what they do, how much the offensive changes, and then what that means for Mr. Mullins in the, at, at the quarterback position. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, it's getting three starters back. And all three guys are potential Pro Bowl-level players. Sherm is has been a Pro Bowl-level player in the past. And I think we can all agree that talent-wise, Debo and Moster have Pro Bowl-level talent. They just got to put it together, stay healthy, that kind of stuff. And then Tevin Coleman's a very solid player. A very good... I mean, I'd rather have him than Hasty. I mean... He's yeah. running the ball. He's a good pass blocker. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. It's going to be huge getting these guys back, especially offensively. And then now, we, especially since it looks like K1 Williams is out for the, probably the rest of the season, now we get Sherm back out there. It, it puts Emmanuel Mosley probably in the slot, and it improves our coverage. Yeah. Although Jamar Taylor for... What the Niners picked him up for has been doing a decent job. Exactly. It's still an upgrade. Absolutely. To have Sherm and Jason Verrett together as the two corners, I think is going to be a really solid set of corners. I 100% agree with you. This is the thing the last few weeks that I kind of been harping on was, what is this secondary going to look like once you get Richard Sherman back? It looks like we're about to find out, and I'm excited for the potentiality of not only getting Richard Sherman back, but getting Richard Sherman back while adding in Tack McKinley and that pass rushing edge and that that giving us hopefully a little bit more not just pressure because we've been a team that has applied a lot of pressure on quarterbacks despite all the injuries this past this put together staple duct tape together D line that Sala and Kacarek have managed to find a way to create pressure has put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks this year they just haven't been able to finish the job and there's a potential now with McKinley in on those pass rushing downs, moving Armstead inside, allowing Kinlaw to come off the field and get a break on occasion, and Jordan Willis out there as well, that they're going to be able to finish some possessions and some series with some sacks. I, I wouldn't be... I, I, question. Do you see foresee a situation in which you have Kinlaw off the field with Hyder, Willis, Armstead, and McKinley rushing the passer? Absolutely. I think that's the kind of the, the NASCAR style of defensive line they were looking to do. You know, that's why you have Armstead normally playing that outside, you know, the wide nine and then moving into an obvious passing downs. I think that's exactly what they were always hoping to do, you know, when they used to put Bosa and Ford on the same side. So now that you've got a little bit of speed with Jordan Willis, it's not great, but it's a little bit. But once you get Kerry Hyder one-on-one with the guard, hopefully, that is a big-time mismatch. And the 49ers can finally take advantage of those things. These are what we were hoping they were going to sign someone. And it just it just never came. And then finally, the right opportunity came. They claimed him. Now it's going to change the defense big time from the pass rush. Maybe we won't have to blitz so much. Yeah, it's going to be... I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch their defense over the last six weeks. If everyone stays healthy. 
and McKinley has the impact we're expecting him to have. Um, I think the biggest impact he's going to have is moving Armstead inside. Even if McKinley can just be an adequate defensive end on pass rush downs and allow Armstead to play at his natural position for pass rushing, which is interior, it'll be huge. Well, I mean, the big thing, right, we've been talking about is Ronald Blair coming back and the impact Ronald Blair would have. Tack McKinley is a better version of Ronald, Ronald Blair. Definitely a more talented version. So you bring him in and right away, now maybe you weren't going to get that impact with Ronald Blair coming back. Now you're going to get an impact with Tack McKinley. And that's what we've been waiting for. We've been expecting this kind of resurgence. And now with these guys coming back, we have it. And understated, Horse was talking about Flanagan Foles and the special teams. With the fact that we had injuries to key special teams guys, um, it, this last game, it is important that he comes back. So it's it's good that Flanagan Fools is getting healthy at the right time. Maybe the 49ers are getting just enough to make a run here in those last six games. And then I really want to see how people react. If they play really good and beat the Rams, how everyone freaks out, are they going to be upset that the 49ers are going to make a push for the playoffs because some people are still hoping that they're going to tank. Those darn 49ers fans and y'all wanting to tank for Lawrence or for Fields or whoever it is at quarterback, I'm not ready to close the window on this team. I don't think anyone in that organization is ready to close the window on the team. And I know for sure the players are not ready to close the window on this group. You got to put your put, put faith in the guys who got us there. Chanahan and Lynch still believe in this roster and this group and this core. I believe in this group and this core as well. We can get it done. For what it's worth, um, Kittle says he can play out for the bye. Of course he can. What, one question that I want to kind of put out there, it's early for a preview with the Rams. But with Richard Sherman coming back, it's going to be a question that needs to be answered. With the Rams running so many two two tight end sets this year, what grouping is going to be on the field against the Rams? Because we know Sherman and and uh, Verrett are going to be out there, but who's going to be the other guys manning? Is it going to be Tarverius Moore and Jimmy Ward, and they're just going to play that way? Because I'm wondering if they're going to have Marcel Harris in the nickel role or if they're going to play Al Shire. Because you would normally play Al Shire and that base 4-3 against uh, the two tight end set. But would you rather go Marcel Harris? I would prefer to see a lineup including Tarverius Moore, Jimmy Ward, and Marcel Harris playing over Al Shire at the, the coverage linebacker. I agree. I, I think so. Hard pass. Hard pass on Nashair. Hard pass Hard on Nashair. Yeah, I'm not a complete hater. I just think that this would be a better option. That's my that's my thought and feeling on it too. After just watching him play and watching Tavares Moore, Marcel Harris be on the field, they're a much better option. I, I don't mind him being on the field I, if we can get them on the field more often than not. I'd prefer that. I also would like to see Marcel Harris in some blitz packages, blitzing the quarterback. To me, I think he could be a perfect uh, blitzer and could really add something to the 49ers um, in the box. Yeah, kind of what um, Gardner Johnson does for the Saints. Yeah, I think so. He does such a fantastic job coming off the edge there. Especially no when you don't change... Uh, no, but that's not the only game protection. he's impacted. Doing no that. one ever sees him coming. <laughs> Especially Nick Mullins. He must uh, wear the same uniform as Deion Jordan. No, it's called... Because you don't see him. It's called invisibleness. <laughs> that's right. Invisibleness, the active... What did you say? The act of unintentionally being invisible. There it is. Our editor back here, he's a good guy. You know, if you're going to be sitting around all alone on Thanksgiving, 
because your family invited everyone but you, we might as well turn on our podcast. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Scroll down, comment to us, we'll talk back to you. We'll be your friends, we'll be your family. It's true. Yep. We love you. All of you. Mass taters. <laughs> Except Grant Cohn, don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, now we're going to get to the elephant in the room here among Niner fans. Very split opinions on this subject. Will Jimmy Garoppolo be the 49ers quarterback in 2021? And do you want him to be the 49ers quarterback in 2021? Yeah, yes, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with yes. Shanahan has said as much. I'm not going to hop off the Jimmy train just yet. Um, the, the big thing for me is that Jimmy Garoppolo has dealt with a lot of injuries this year. He's dealt with um, a line that was at the start of the year trying to find its identity in terms of who is going to lead, who's going to direct. No Western Richburg at the start of the year. Joe Staley gone completely shifting the entire identity's line in terms of who is the guy leading us going forward. Trent Williams is coming in as a leader and as a captain, but it's his first day in San Francisco. It's his first year in San Francisco. He hasn't played the game in two years. He had a lot of rust to, to, to brush off and get off of his chest and, and start to become the player that he used to be. He's starting to morph into that slowly but surely. This O-line is was starting to find its identity when Jimmy came back, and then Jimmy goes down, and then you can kind of see the the lack of leadership from McMullins and directing them and guiding them and getting them in and out of protections and schemes and getting them into the right ones. Um, and so I, I'm not 100% convinced that a lot of this is Jimmy. I think Jimmy has dealt with some confidence issues this year. I think a lot of that, though, is because of the discombobulation with the line, the amount of injuries that they had very early on was concerning. He felt like he was going to have to put everything on his back and take responsibility right away. And when he started making mistakes early, got a little gun shy. They want to take shots downfield when he when he probably could have. Um, was completely content with digging and dunking. Started falling into the uh, Alex Smith school of passing. And I, as much as I love Alex Smith, that was the thing that drove me crazy during his entire tenure in San Francisco was the lack of wanting to take the shots downfield when he probably should have or needed to or could have at least. Um, you don't want too many 50-50 balls being thrown up because when you're Kirk Cousins throwing up 50-50 balls every other possession or once or twice every possession, you're going to end up throwing a lot more picks than you need to. But there are times and situations that call for recognizing when you got one-on-one coverage with a guy that you trust and giving him a chance to go make a play and putting the ball in the right spot and just trusting that he can go make the play that you need to for a good play. Uh, for this team and for the offense and to give you that extra little kick, uh, Jimmy can do that. We've seen him do it plenty of times. He took the shot in the Super Bowl. You know he can make the throw. You know he can make the pass. Uh, he's got to get his confidence back. He's got to get healthy. He's got to have that repertoire with the O-line. Uh, and I think in 2021, he's going to have that. I think he'll probably come back at some point this season. We've been saying it. I think when he gets back, you're going to see it 100% because he's got nothing to lose at this point. I think it's kind of a it's kind of a, a two-fold question because I think first off, I think that Kyle Shanahan is doing a good job by saying that he's going to be the quarterback next year because you have to prepare as if he is just in case – Whatever you have planned doesn't work out. You always have to have that to happen. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo has played injured, and he's played without a lot of a lot of the players around him. The offense has definitely been tailored to fit Jimmy Garoppolo and how he plays the game. The real question is going to be, can the 49ers find somebody that is can operate the offense at the same level or better than him for less money? Because next year, with the money being 175 salary cap, the 49ers could definitely 
free up money by going with a young quarterback or a different quarterback that doesn't make the $26 million that Jimmy's going to make next year. So I think it's finding that balance. Is At what point do the 49ers say, you know what, this guy is better than, not better, but as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. We can be successful. Kyle Shanahan can still tailor an offense around him, and we can free up cap space because releasing Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers only have about $4.6 million in dead money. So it's still a good move if the 49ers decide to do that. So I think it's going to be a fluid situation. A lot of it's going to depend on where the 49ers are picking in the draft. I think Jimmy is an adequate quarterback. The 49ers can win. They proved it last year. They can win a Super Bowl with him when he has all the weapons around him. When he doesn't have the weapons, he can kind of struggle. But they were still winners with Jimmy Garoppolo. So winning is still an option with Jimmy Garoppolo. I will be okay with him in 2021. But I'm starting to think that the tide is starting to change. And minus Jimmy Garoppolo coming and leading some sort of a playoff push and the 49ers making the playoffs and making a statement in the playoffs, we have, we might see the end of Jimmy Garoppolo and we might have a young quarterback manning the ship next year and 2021 for a whole lot cheaper price. Manning? Not Manning. No. <laughs> yeah, we. Um, you took a lot of what I was going to say right out of my mouth. That was excellent. Um there, like you said, it's a twofold question. Here are the facts that can't be disputed. One, they would save $24.1 million next year by releasing Jimmy Garoppolo po- post June 1st. Two, Kyle Shanahan is 29 and 31 as an NFL head coach. 22 and 8 with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter, and 7 and 23 without Jimmy G as a starter. Those are facts, can't be disputed. You can argue how they won, why they won, but those are factual. Um, Like he said, I think Jimmy is a solid NFL quarterback. I do not think he's Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, one of those guys. But I do think he's a solid quarterback you can win with. And I actually agree with what you said as well, is that it's going to come down to can they get someone cheaper that can play as well as him. I don't care what you think, Nick Mullins ain't it. No. C.J. Beathard is not it. Nope. But I would understand if they moved on from Jimmy G with the thought process of finding a veter- getting a veteran that's a solid player and they get him for maybe 10 to $12 million a year. Or if there's a young QB they really like, obviously they're not going to get Fields or Lawrence. No. It's just not going to happen. Um but if there's a QB he really thinks fits his system that they can pick up, and that's fine. If the guy can come in here and do what Jimmy does, but I I warn fans, do not think the grass is always greener on the other side. Remember what it's like to have Blaine Gabbert, Brian Hoyer, CJ Beathard, and just remember if you want to give the credit to the talent around him, that Jimmy took over a 1-10 team and won five straight to end his first season in San Francisco with the same players the other quarterbacks were playing with. Correct. The grass isn't always greener. 49er fans have a warped perception of the quarterback position because of the single truth, which is we had two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time play literally consecutively after one another. And then even after that, you still had a very serviceable and very talented quarterback in Jeff Garcia that played after them. That's three solid 
two Hall of Famers and a, and Pro, Bowl. a one Pro Bowl quarterback in consecutive years playing right after each other. What was the link between all of them? Walsh. Bill Walsh. Walsh. That's the thing. Even Jeff Garcia was a Bill Walsh, Walsh fine. Cool. Yeah, he was. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe Kyle, pick up the phone. What's up? What's going on, sir? How you doing? With Bill Walsh? Yeah, totally. Um, he's dead. No, he's not. I hope he's he has a phone to heaven. No, it's like Tupac, guys. It's he's alive. He's definitely alive. Somewhere. Okay. Better have a phone to heaven. That's a cons- that's not even a conspiracy. That's just reality. <laughs> Promise you. Someone put the uh, Infowars background up behind me right now. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bill Walsh. Uh, Twitter has just uh, tagged this post as not true. Oh, Boy. dang it. <laughs> Boy, I feel like a horse's patoot. Now, one of the big things that's come out also is that, you know, a lot of people are wanting to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's always the, the ties to New England. But now it's come out that the 49ers, to get the contract that they got, which is a very favorable contract for the 49ers, is that they put a, there's a trade clause in it. So now Jimmy G can kind of prevent from going, getting traded to the Jets or one of these teams that he doesn't want to go to. Alex, do you think this is going to be a real issue for the 49ers or is this just semantics? This is a big, this is a big problem for them in terms of controlling, controlling, the right word isn't narrative, but controlling their own destiny they no longer have control they ceded that control to jimmy by allowing this trade no trade clause into the contract you can't send him to a team that desperately needs quarterback help teams like the jaguars teams like the jets he's not going to want to play there um and the reason he's not going to want to play there is he's had a taste he's had a taste of success he's had a taste of the super bowl he's not going to want to try and start back over at the very bottom He's not He's not a young quarterback. Uh, the reality, the truth of the situation, the matter is for Jimmy, is he's not a 22, 23, 24-year-old guy coming in who's three or four years in with, you know, coming out of college. Uh, he's been in the league for five, six years. He's, he's coming into what it would be his prime. He's going to want to make the most of his prime so that we can get a, a really good contract at the end of his career to sustain him as, as the inevitable father time declines all skill sets for players in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. As soon as you hit about the 33, 34-year-old age, if you're a top 15 quarterback in the league is where your skill set starts to decline. You're not as quick on the draw. Reaction time's not there. You struggle to read defenses as well and be able to dissect unless you're Tom Brady, who's got some sort of... TV 12. Uh, apparently TV 12. I'm starting to think that TV 12 is really just some sort of cult and that he's made some sort of deal with the devil and that's why he's stayed so relevant Fountain for so long. Youth. Potentially, there's something something going on at TV12. Oh, like drinking children's blood and type of thing? <laughs> yeah. something, something along those lines. We might need to do a deep dive investigation into TV12 later on when we get some some actual evidence that can steer us in the right direction. But until that time, um, Jimmy, Jimmy G has complete control over this and it, it makes it really hard for the 49ers to really be able to control their own destiny in terms of moving him to free up calories, salary cap space. Calories too. Calories too, but <laughs> salary cap space so that way they can get some sort of compensation for him as well. Uh, if I'm Jimmy, you have the trade bar, you have the chip, you, you hold the, all the cards in your hand. Um, you're, you're not going to just let that go willy-nilly. Maybe. Unless they can find a, a suitable suitor that you can get him back, you can get something back from him for. But the only way I see that happening is if you're trading Jimmy Garoppolo for an aging quarterback, and I don't think that's the the answer for the 49ers either. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, with some of the stuff you said. Oh, only some, huh? Mm-hmm. Three often. Nine. We don't have a total agreement here. It was a total agreement to not agree totally. Um, what we have here is. 
I think it, like you said, it puts the ball in Jimmy's court. But there are teams that I think would pay him that much money that he might go to. Um, the Bears. If you put Jimmy G on the Bears, that's a whole lot better football team. Doesn't fix their Matt Nagy play calling issue, but yes. New England, much better football team with him on it. Um, there's a couple more out there, I'm sure. Minnesota, but they can't get out from under that Albatross contract they gave Kirk Cousins. Um, Could have been the Niners. And like, <laughs> and it just would depend on the rest of it, like we talked about earlier. Would Jimmy rather make $27 million and be on a crappy team? Or would he rather make $8 million and be on a good team? That's going to be up to him. Question for you, and I was just thinking about this when you said a list of teams. If you put someone like Jimmy Garoppolo on the Washington football team, how much better is that offense? He's better than anyone they have. Correct, and they do have the pieces in Terry McLaren. Antonio Gibson has looked very good for them in the backfield. And Logan Thomas has been a bright spot at the tight end position. Their offensive line played quarterback at Virginia Tech. It's true, but their their offensive line isn't that terrible. They do have some work there they need to make on their line. Missing a left tackle. Correct, and their defense though has been solid. And you've seen the success Jimmy has when he has an elite defense. And do you think that's a good fit? It could be. I I think there's going to be a lot of options for the 49ers as far as trade because I do believe Jimmy Garoppolo will be open to a trade if the 49ers are willing to move on. Because I think that um, when it comes down to it, Jimmy wants to make the most money that he can make. And if he can keep this contract intact, that's the best avenue for him. Hasn't played that well this year when he was, and he hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. So for the 49ers and him, I think it's it could be mutually beneficial for him to, you know, come up with a, a deal to, to move on in, if it comes to a trade. And I think he'll be willing to take it. And I think that New England will be heavy into this. And I think that as long as the 49ers can keep it out there that New England's into it, that other players, or other coaches and, and organizations will be willing to move players and move draft picks to pick up Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think the 49ers will keep teasing. I think it'll be kind of secret that they want New England to make this move eventually. And I think New England should. I, I mean, I definitely think that they could go back. I think and also another thing to keep an eye on is if Josh McDaniels gets a head coaching job, wherever he goes might be the perfect place for Jimmy Garoppolo to go. Um, there was the whispers of them talking at the end of the game, kind of like, hey, we'll talk soon. Let's see what happens. Maybe kind of a, a foreshadowing of a, you know, a reunited and it feels so good moment. And maybe that that is something that they could look at. You know, maybe the Jets, maybe that is a possibility. Maybe he says, you know what? I've tried to go the rookie quarterback route when I had when I was in Denver and it didn't work. Maybe this time I go. <laughs> maybe this time I go to uh, a more veteran and then maybe draft someone later in the draft as a possibility. So I think there are options for the 49ers. Sorry, I took a little shot at Tebow. I, I don't mind Tebow. Did lot. it did it not work, or did someone <laughs> torpedo at John Elway? Well, well Wait, John who, Elway did win a Super Bowl. Why are Bowl, you blaming so. John Elway? Yeah. We who all, is he? We all know John Elway. What does he do there? He stands up in a in a in a VIP booth with jeans. That's and, your uh, that's uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, not bad. I apologize. I forgot that Ellen DeGeneres ran. So I, I mean, when it comes to finish, when it comes to the the Jimmy Clause, I don't think it honestly matters. And I think the 49ers knew that if it came to this point, it wouldn't matter. So 
it's going to be cool to see where what ends up happening if he's the quarterback or if they decide just to to move on trade him i think as of right now they can still get a second round pick um from new england i think new england would still do that and i think josh mcdaniels would probably give up a second round pick if he was a head coach somewhere two things real quick yep did you just say jimmy clausen I said Jimmy Claus. Oh, the I don't Jimmy know if you Claus noticed. Is... Yeah, if you looked over there, there's a little thing that says Jimmy Claus. Well, referring second, to the segment. I agree with you. I think, and maybe the end of the season, not that Jimmy's a bad player and that the Niners don't want him, but maybe it's one of those situations where a new start for both sides is best. Yeah. Where he can go play in New England or somewhere else and have a good another five, six-year career. And the Niners can start fresh and still be a successful team. I, I hope that's the case. I hope so. Kind of like Alex Smith when they it, moved on. I mean, that. I think really none of this matters unless Peters and Lynch and Shanahan believe they can get a quarterback that can be adequate to Jimmy Garoppolo because they won't want to take a step back. Nope. And they don't have anyone on the roster that can do that. Correct. So they need to completely, fundamentally change the quarterback position. So even if they keep Jimmy Garoppolo, look for them to draft the quarterback. If they do keep him, look for them to draft him somewhere between rounds two and four. I don't think it'll be a first-round pick. But if he's gone, they will probably address the quarterback position in the first round. I agree. I agree 100%. And uh, be 100% honest with you guys, that, that hurt. That hurt. It really did. The Tebow thing? Yeah, that, that hurt. We didn't say anything Well, I mean, about their Tebow. general manager runs a TV show. She doesn't know much about football. Apparently, we're not big fans of John Elway. I have zero problems with John Elway. <laughs> oh my! I Lord. think Trevor, Dude, I think Trevor he hasn't was... played in years. Why do you keep bringing him <laughs> up? Since you two decided to be so rude, this is a perfect segue. Both of you talking, talking smack, and that ish on the great Tim Tebow. You two need to lock it up while we go actually physically. To, to lock it up. We're going somewhere? No, no, we're not going to go anywhere. Oh. We're going to stay right here in studio, but we're going to change scenes so it's going to look like we're going to go somewhere. Figure of speech. You know it. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Oh, hi there. You know what really can help the soul when it comes to healing and recovery? Taking a vacation. Vacations are nice. Yeah, you get to sit back and and you just uh, you know you just take in everything that's occurred and. And you learn from, you know, the, uh, the hustle and bustle you've been through. This week, the Niners are having their vacation. It's a bye week. You know, and bye weeks is when you sit back and you think about how things are going so far. And you ask yourself, you know, important questions like, what the hell are we doing? What the hell is going on? We, we, were, we were in the Super Bowl last year. And this year, we're not doing the same as last year. Who isn't hurt? <laughs> Who's not hurt, huh? <laughs> is, is someone not hurt, maybe? <laughs> yes, it's absolutely 
water. So we sit back, we, we take in the bye week and we come back stronger and rejuvenated. That's what we do as a, as a team and as a fan base. Because what other choice do we have? Oh yeah, we still got picks. Uh, time to lock it up here. Here's my picks for the Niner bye week. Maybe wanna straighten that guy out. All right, I'm taking the Bucks over the Rams. I'm taking the Saints over the Falcons. And might be an upset, I don't care. I'm going for the Cardinals over the Seahawks. That's right, Cardinals over the Seahawks. Those are my picks for this bye week for the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, let's just let's just lounge. Let's let's chill. Let's you know you know strengthen our aura. You know, let's put on some Bob Marley. You know, maybe some Bonnie Vare. No, no, Bonnie Vare is sad. That's sad. Back to the Bob Marley. Go back to the Bob Marley. Keep that going. Just positive vibes. Positive vibes. Positive vibes, please. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. We're here. Who's Tim Tebow? He's one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Horst, I noticed your asterisk is gone. Oh my lord! You guys done ruined it! You ruined everything that I've worked so hard to build. It's fine. We'll leave it at that. He's 18 and 16. You guys are tied for the lead. We are. And uh, the murderous madman at the top there. Why do we still even have him on? He's He kidnapped me, guys. Maybe he had help. Kidnap. What if in this story he's the hero and you're the villain? I don't know how I could possibly be the villain. I was mm. tied up. I was tied up in a chair. Which, by the way, I was I was watching the footage back. Do you know he's a, really a Chicago Bears fan? He's not even a Niners fan. Uh, I'll tell you what was really uh, crazy was me and Horace came up with some theories of our own. And we were thinking maybe you were trying to help other podcasts. I would never. That's what we think. Uh, I would never. That's why I ask. And the Azorian one is the type of guy that would preserve our podcast at any cost. That's true. He's that kind of friend. So I don't know exactly where the story is going yet. I don't know either, but I don't like the insinuation you guys you guys are making right now. My my fealties and loyalties lie with the 49ers. Your what? Back. My loyalties. What was the first fealties? One? What is a feel to you? Don't worry about it, Horst. Editor. The singer of Korn's, or the guitarist from Korn's name was Fieldy. Is that Fieldy is not the same thing Maybe as Fieldy. Like, hey, can I feel your By tea, do you mean like cup of tea, or do you mean like... Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be... This has completely gone off the rails. Yeah, that just got cut. That got cut. Really? Is, that wasn't going to get cut? It is lock it up time. This has gone completely off track. You can see we have two people now below 500. We have two guys tied to the lead. And since the Niners have a bye week this week, and we do have two NFC West teams playing each other this week, we have a special game. We're going to start do. with that game. Falcons at Saints. Ant, what do you got? Whew. Well, Drew Brees has a nice uh, pain in his side. So, um, I think that this game is going to be closer than we originally thought. The Falcons have been playing kind of well lately. 
Uh, they still have Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. Um, they can still make plays. But I think that famous Jameis is going to get the job done, and the Saints are going to win this game in a close one, 24-23. Interesting. I have similar theories. Um, I have Jameis throwing three touchdowns. Wow, that's bold. Two picks. Really bold. And them pulling it out 34-27 because Atlanta's defense is poopy. Whoa. They They are really poopy. I differ from both of you completely. Um, Famous Jameis is coming back this week, but he's coming back because he's restarting the turnover factory. Um, that's happening. The only bold prediction that this guy made was the three touchdowns because two picks for Jameis is not bold. You know what is bold? Three pick sixes, which is how many he's going to throw. And the Falcons are going to win 28-13. to 13. Yeah. Wait, wait, the other team's quarterback's going to throw three pick sixes, and they're only going to score 28 points? That's the Falcons for you. You realize the Falcons' offense is actually I, good, I want right? you to realize. I'm you aware of that, but the, the Saints, but the Saints' defense has been playing a lot better. No, the they just played weeks. Nick Mullins. He just predicted the Falcons to hold on to a lead. I did. And for the Falc- and for the Saints to hold up. Hey, it's going to be the only lead they hold on to this year, if you know what I mean. Expect a lot of text messages when Jameis starts going off. I'll, I'll expect them. Go- going off by throwing 5,000 pick sixes. Oh! <laughs> Jameis had an all-time great year last year. I know. He's the first quarterback in NFL history. No, he 30 for five, 30. He had 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And 30 picks. Mm-hmm. What if they drop 10 of them? And it wouldn't look that bad. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a, a reality that doesn't exist, Horst. So, unfortunately for you, it doesn't count. No reality does exist. That on Thursday night, <laughs> if you're watching this, it already happened. But we're going to tell you what we thought was going to happen. So, if it's right, you'll, you'll know right away. The Cardinals are traveling to Seattle to play the Seattle Seahawks. Gum chewing. DK with the pacifier. Mr. Unlimited. Who you got, horse? You got the Seahawks, or you got the Cardinals? Kyler's been tearing it up lately. What do you got? This has been. This was a tough game to pick, because um, if it was in Arizona, I think I wouldn't have trouble picking Arizona. But magical things happen up there in Seattle. I but they really played poorly the last couple games, I, and Arizona's played really well. I'm going to go with Arizona 37-34. I think Kyler has just a little more magic than Mr. Unlimited. Wow. Whoa, that shifted quickly. Just this week. Just this week. uh, This week, I have the return of Mr. Unlimited and the return of the Seattle Seahawks offense. Firing on all cylinders, knowing full well that no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to stop the Cardinals. You can only hope to contain them. And the Cardinals continue the trend that they've had the last few week, weeks, which is getting off to a slow start. And unfortunately for them, getting off to a slow start against this Seahawks team is going to be too much of a lead to overcome. I have 38-34 Seattle at home. Yeah, this one's going to be close. I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, I look for both teams to struggle at times, both teams to be very successful at times. Um, but I don't see the Cardinals being able to stop Lockett or DK Metcalf. I think that's going to be a real issue for them. I think that the Seattle Seahawks defense is actually better when Jamal Adams isn't in the lineup. He's not in the lineup, so they won't be blitzing that safety as much, which means he'll be in coverage. 
and I think that the Seahawks will get the run game going just enough to win this game, and I think they're going to win 37-34. to 34. Field, goal, field goal late to win. Wow, all of us really Did close. Did you only bring him up because it's lock it up? No, I didn't. But uh, last time, last game that they played, Lockett went off. So. He did. He did. All right, so the last game on the schedule is the L.A. Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On Monday night. Mm-hmm. So these games range from Thursday to Monday. It's incredible. We're covering the spectrum. It means I can watch all three. That's true. He can watch all three. And first up for me, I got the Bucks. Outlasting the Rams 27-21 in a game that is really dominated early by the run games and trying to establish the running clock control, which I think the Bucks went out. And then late, Jared Goff starts getting a little hot, but throws a pick at the end of the game. Bucks defense seals it. Tom Brady gets another win over Jared Goff. It's gonna be great. I think that's the, the the real problem with the Rams is Jared Goff. You know, I think that if they had a more prolific quarterback. That we might think that they are, they. I mean, they would definitely be Super Bowl contenders. The team is well built. Um, they're a lot better than anyone ever thought they were going to be this year. Um, however, I just think that Tom Brady is going to be just a little bit better than the Rams. I'm, I'm worried about him being a stationary target against Aaron Donald. But I think with the weapons that they have, the receivers, they will give the Rams some problems. The Rams um, can't guard everyone with Jalen Ramsey. So I look for the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers to do just enough and win the game 27 to 24. Yeah, I'm pretty much along the same lines of thought as you guys. I think Tampa Bay, their weapons is too much for them, and I think that their defense is good enough to slow Jared Goff and company down. Um, I have Tampa Bay winning 31 21. I also have one more. The 49ers will defeat the bye. You heard it here first, people. That's bold. Really bold. Really super ridiculously bold. The Cowboys lost to the bye last week, but the 49ers will not. (laughs) Last up on the docket for today, guys, Dan Quinn. Rumors circulating that he may potentially be coming into San Francisco in probably just some sort of assistant coaching role this year or maybe even a quality control guy on defense. But is he going to be the future for the defense as their D coordinator down the line if Salah gets hired, and what do you think? I think it would be a smart move. He's someone that Shanahan's very familiar with. Um, ran a very similar system to the you know to what the 49ers do now, so it could be more of a seamless transition. I'm sure they use a lot of the same terminology and, and put people in the same kind of roles. So I think that's important. Um, I think the 49ers need to make this move now because if Robert Sala is to leave, they need to have a seamless transition. I think it could really set them back if they don't. I don't know if he has somebody on the you know staff that he's looking at for that, but you also have to question who could possibly go with Robert Sala. And you don't want Robert Sala to get a job and then him be the one to hire Quinn. So I think that the 49ers should strike before um, you know something happens with Sala getting a job and just put him on staff. He can he can help with the 49ers be a pass game guy. You know where he can really break down defenses for Kyle Shanahan do something of like that. With Kyle's already connection with them, I think it'd be a good move. Yeah, I think it's pretty smart if they were to bring him in in some sort of consultant role now. You can never have too many good football brains on your staff. And I mean, with his wealth of experience coaching good football teams, I know he struggled the last couple of years as a head coach, but he's a smart football guy. Like you said, if 
someone does try and come grab um, Robert Sala at the end of the year, you have a ready-made replacement on staff for him. And they could use him in a role. I believe it was Harbaugh that used Eric Mangini, even though he was a defensive coach, was part of his offensive staff because Harbaugh, when he would plan, when Harbaugh and Greg Roman would come up with their um, game plans, they would have Mangini show him, show them what they would do defensively to it so that he, they might have some adjustments ready. Which could be very important, right, if, before they play the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Could be. Could be very important. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum with you guys here. I don't want any more Super Bowl collapses or, or memories or images of Super Bowl collapses on the roster. I don't want him anywhere near this football team. I have complete faith in the guys they currently have now. I think there is a young upcoming coach that Shanahan is probably more comfortable with than Dan Quinn because I feel like if that was the case, then Dan Quinn would have been scooped up immediately after being let go and they wouldn't have waited as long as they've waited. I think they've waited as long as they've waited because Shanahan's not sure and he's not convinced that this is a good decision and a good thing to bring into the team. There were a lot of culture issues in Atlanta with Quinn there. Defensively, their defense looked awful despite having talent on the back end. And despite them, for the most part, early on in the seasons being healthy, they could not put together anything offensively or even defensively that looked good the last three or four seasons for them early on in the season. And it's usually before it's too little too late before that team figures it out. And I think that's a Dan Quinn issue. And I don't think it's a positive step forward for this team. I'm not a big, big fan of Quinn or anything he's done really in Atlanta. What team um, week 16 last year came in and I, shut down Kyle Shanahan's I'm, I'm aware that he did that. They did that. That's great. That doesn't take away from the other six, seven games they lost straight in which they didn't do anything of that nature at all whatsoever. And as we all felt, all of us last year were sitting there when that game came about and felt that that was a trap game. That was a game where if you don't come in fully 100% prepared, that they could sneak one out on you. I think what we have to remember, though, is this is... Remember, him getting fired is him as a head coach, not him as a defensive coordinator. Correct. The reason he got the job in Atlanta is because he's a fantastic defensive coordinator. We've seen many head coaches that fail that be, go back to being a coordinator and do fantastic and get another opportunity because they're fantastic. And he knows the system, and he knows Pete Carroll, which gives you an advantage when you're going to play. That's why one of the reasons that Kyle Shanahan brought Robert Sala was Robert Sala ran the defense that Kyle Shanahan found the most difficult to play against Correct. as a play caller. So it only makes sense to bring someone in that does the exact same thing. Unless so that's why it makes sense. Unless you've been building up a guy, a young guy, on the staff and getting him ready for the eventuality of Sala leaving yeah. so that he can take over. My big concern with Dan Quinn is the fact that while, yes, that is true, there are also plenty of cases of coaches who get their first or second head coaching gig, go back to being a coordinator, and the, the game just kind of passes them by. Their, their time is up. They don't know how to adjust. And I'm afraid that I, I, I just get the feeling that might be the case with Dan Quinn. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I think Dan Quinn's an excellent football coach. And I think that the players ultimately liked him in Atlanta. I mean, we can hold the Super Bowl over him forever. He was going against Tom Terrific and Bill Belichick. True. And if you're going to lose a Super Bowl like that, that's what happens. I mean, that would be the same as us holding Kyle Shanahan accountable for last year. I think that Dan Quinn, X's and O's wise, makes perfect sense for the 49ers. Um, and Kyle Shanahan worked with him, so he knows him better. So if he brings him in, that will definitely show us that he believes Dan Quinn is you know, an unbelievable coach. He's hired nothing but good coaches so far that we've seen. True. So he's excellent. So if he does bring him in, 
that is definitely that he's 100% behind Dan Quinn. And if he doesn't, then it's either Dan Quinn didn't want to come in and maybe that's why he's not signed. Maybe that he is. needs a break. You put all that effort in as a head coach and then it doesn't doesn't work out the way you want. Sometimes you need to step away well, and maybe that'll help him see the game even better. I, I, I agree with you there. I think that might be some of it um, because it's it was it was an epic failure in Atlanta. Since that Super Bowl, it's, it has been nothing but turmoil there and i think maybe he does maybe he thinks he needs some time to figure out what went wrong and how he can fix it and if that's what he's doing then that might actually probably would change my opinion on my view of him because my view of him is that i don't think he understood what happened and i don't i a lot of coaches jump right back into a job so if it's him that's actually turning down offers because he's trying to self-evaluate and look at himself and what he could have done that caused a lot of the turmoil and issues to, to kind of just happen and just everything continuing to crumble there for the, for the end of his tenure in Atlanta, then uh, I think I have a lot more respect for him and maybe would feel a lot more confident and comfortable with him coming in because maybe he's actually trying to self-evaluate, look at himself and figure out how to fix the, the issues that he obviously played a, some sort of role and part in. Yeah, I think you both have made good points, but I'm still on the thought train that, that he's a guy you should bring in. I... I think at least, like I said earlier, the consultant's role because you're still playing Seattle. And if they were to go on a run, they play Seattle the last game of the season. That might be for a playoff spot. I I think Shanahan's still in full belief that this team can go on a run and make the playoffs. That's the kind of guy he is. You're never going to get him to admit that he can't win. Exactly. Yep. So I think he's a smart guy to bring on, even if you don't even mean for him to ever become coordinator. If it's just for the rest of this year, if it's just to prepare you for the one game, I think it's a smart move. No, could be, could be. Unless there's some sort of issue between him and Saul. If that were the case, then no. But if as long as him and Saul are good, I don't see an issue with bringing him in. It's only one way to find out. That is to stay tuned to the 49ers cutback. We're the only place that's going to know if they hire him. 100%. We'll be, the, we'll be the first ones to talk about it. You, you know that's the truth. We can't back that up. <laughs> Make sure to tune in to next week's episode. We're going to be breaking down some very cool stuff. We're going to give out our midseason awards, let you know who has done well, who hasn't, and kind of what we see. We're also going to give our state of the season, our state of the franchise for the 49ers, let you know what we see happening and some bold predictions on what could happen, right, Horse? Ooh, that sounds like something I'd want to watch. Sounds tasty. It's going to be a super exciting show, guys. I'm super, super duper pumped and, and jacked for the topics we're going to be talking about because at the end of the day, that's the thing that isn't being discussed is what is the state of this team? What is their, not only their positioning, you can talk about percentages and numbers, but based on the moves they're making, based on the health and players getting back, you know, what's the actual outlook? What is the optimism? What are the chances of being able to pull it off? And if they don't pull it off, what are the next steps? Because people are talking now about, you know, oh, just drafting a quarterback and whatever else. There's a lot of holes that can be plugged um, other than the quarterback position in round one. You can get, you, you, we, we've seen it plenty of times before. You can get a guy in round two, round three, round four, round five that steps in and can play at the level you need him to play at. And it's going to be up to this, this coaching staff and the scouting department to figure out if there's that gem, gem and diamond in the rough that they can find later in the draft so they can address some other issues and key needs for this team. Like Ty Detmer or something. <laughs> totally. Ty Detmer, Gio Carmazzi. You know you know how this works. Why are you making jokes of serious statements? Uh, yeah, 100%. Totally. Totally serious. But guys, until next episode, this is it. So you know what time it is. 
let's chalk another one up. No, but, but for real. But Ty Detmer had a very good career. Nice. He was terrible. Very solid player. I don't know about that. Very solid player. Um, Yeah. <laughs> How am I supposed to chip? Is that going on? <laughs> you got three, two. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 ha!